0: Hi there, welcome back to the Bet on Yourself podcast. We're carrying on with last week's format as I'm sharing with you some of the core segments from a master's course I've been teaching on the secrets of Silicon Valley at a university in Barcelona. In this course, I'm presenting the methods and systems of success that can be replicated anywhere in the world to disrupt any market and achieve success. And yes, I mean anywhere. In this course, I've brought in the smartest people I know and asked them for their own secrets of success. This week, we'll be talking to Dave Clark about firing, hiring, and finding what you love, as well as some crazy stories from his exceptional career. Let's get going. Dave Clark has had what some would describe as an unbelievable or even unattainable career, having worked with some of the world's greatest entrepreneurs to help them transform their moonshot goals into reality. He has worked with Richard Branson on the Virgin Galactic Space Program, with Travis Kalanick at Uber and Larry Page and Sebastian Thrun at Kitty Hawk. He's now a general partner at Expa, helping more entrepreneurs make their dreams come true. As you can probably imagine, he has plenty of crazy stories to tell. I'll let Dave share the details of how he ended up on this wild path with you.
1: Um, So I started my career in 2004, uh the first part was i built the space program virgin galactic for richard branson and while i was doing that i became his right hand kind of guy as well and worked on all new moonshot ideas uh from so we did the space program we started a deep ocean submarine exploration program called virgin oceanic um and So that was 10 years, uh, an incredible experience. Uh, I got to learn a lot from Richard. uh, But before that, I was going to go to Silicon Valley and I missed kind of what was going on out there, the other growth companies. Um, So I I kept a group of friends out there and I made small angel investments uh, with what I had in the companies. And one of them uh, was a seed investment in Uber. uh, And that took off. And so after 10 years at Virgin Galactic, I then moved over to Uber and worked alongside Travis. Um, I built that for three years. Uh, and then I got a cold call from Larry Page and he said, I've got a flying car company. And you know, there's not many people in the world who did spaceships and taxis and the two kind of go together and make a flying car. So why don't you come over here and do that? Um, so I moved over to Kitty Hawk. I was there for about a year and a half. Then I, uh, I started a, a, a digitized freight forwarding company with my old Uber colleagues. Uh, And now I am a general partner at Expa, which is an accelerator studio and venture capital firm. Uh, So we back companies at the very earliest stage and we get them to uh, a series A uh, and, and many of them much bigger than that now.
0: His journey is fascinating. How does one person contribute to so many moonshot ideas? Where do you even start? I asked Dave to share with us some of the biggest lessons he's learned from each of these experiences and what each of these entrepreneurs taught him. There truly is no one formula to success. Every project and company is unique and has its own secret sauce. I think his answer demonstrates
1: this perfectly. I think with Richard and with Virgin Galactic, the most important thing I'd learned was to celebrate failure because you're never going to get a team to take big risks unless you make light of mistakes. And I said, you know, this was something that I didn't see at Uber, you know, mistakes you were, you were, you know, Travis would come down hard on people. Um, they were kind of unacceptable. We were moving fast. Every you, Everybody was counting on each other. Um, and Richard had a real talent of when you got things wrong or you you went the wrong direction, it didn't work out. He would laugh at them uh, and just say, oh, what a screw up, that's so silly, whatever. And, and more importantly, he would laugh at his own mistakes and kind of publicize, them. Oh my God, I thought we were going to do this. Turns out it was the worst idea ever. Um, you know, but that's, that is what it is. Um, at Uber, I mean, that was just like the greatest lesson in the world in hypergrowth. growth. Um, we were opening two, we were opening a new city every two days for years around the world. And I mean, these are, it, it was a huge feat. We had 20,000 people. Um, and I think looking back, we've never moved I think in in private company history, there's no company that has expanded internationally faster, raised more money uh, or moved faster. But looking back, our biggest mistake was not moving even faster than we did. When you've got something that works, you just need to be so aggressive uh, to get it to scale now. And you know, we raised so many billions of dollars. Had we raised more, we'd just have more market share now. Than we do. And then Kitty Hawk, I mean, this was just working alongside Larry and Sebastian Thrun. Sebastian is just a brilliant German triple doctorate, uh, roboticist, engineer, um, professor at Stanford. Um, I mean, that was just a lesson in working with the smartest people in the room. Their ability to solve problems. They were so complicated so quickly. Uh, It was just incredible. Um, So three very, very different uh, approaches to solving problems and building companies. Richard was about vision. You know, he just had a moment when he saw a space flight and he said, I want to do that. And if I want to do that, other people want to do it. So let's just do it. And, you know, he's not an engineer. He has no clue how to build things. He's a great delegator. He says, okay, I want to do it. I'll put some money in. Remember, the original budget was $30 million. 17 years later, we spent just over a billion. So, you know, sometimes you bite off more more than you can chew. Um, And he, and then with Travis, it was just a wartime CEO. Somebody who is relentless, uh, aggressive, and has to win at any cost. And then with Larry and Sebastian, it's just about brilliant minds.
0: I, too, really value each of those CEOs for those qualities and have had some spectacular failures and made big mistakes across my career. But when you're creating something for the very first time, testing boundaries and defying standards, you really are just making things up as you go along. These failures teach you the biggest lessons and help to push you forward. They are what makes you successful. I wanted to hear more about these failures and asked Dave if there was a particular example of a crash and burn failure that really stood out to him and that helped him on his future projects.
1: Um, God, I mean, our ultimate crash and burn was we crashed a spaceship, and you know, this was actually a really amazing story. Um, They're very sad because we lost one of our co-pilots, but this was in 2000 and uh, end of 2013. Uh, we were, we were doing a space flight of the new spaceship two, And, um, uh, the pilots went up and I don't know if you, uh, hopefully you got to see the flight last week, but the way that our, our system works is a carrier craft flies the spaceship up to 50,000 feet. It then releases the spaceship. The spaceship then ignites a hybrid rocket engine you accelerate from 0 to the speed of sound in 5.7 seconds and in, in 30 seconds you're flying four times the speed of sound and you fly this beautiful arc up into space and the uh, co-pilot was slightly late in the simulator at um, deploying the feathering system which is the air brake uh, the the wings of the spaceship transform to become uh, an air brake and a stabilizer for re-entry to the Earth's atmosphere he was slightly late in the simulation so during the flight he actually flicked the unlock button uh, just a few seconds too early and the amount of acceleration from the rocket motor uh, managed to deploy the the feathering system and so sadly uh mike you know the the spaceship basically had full acceleration and full brakes at the same time which ripped the whole thing apart mike died instantly because he was leaning forward so he got snapped back broke his neck um But what was absolutely remarkable is the the lead pilot at about 80,000 feet uh, was thrown out of the spaceship, still attached to his seat, immediately unconscious, uh, fell back to Earth and at around 13,000 feet, regained consciousness and said, oh, my God, what just happened? Got himself out of the seat, deployed a parachute and landed back on the sand in New Mexico and, and walked away. Sorry, it was actually in Mojave. It was back in our California base um and that was i mean that was the hardest thing that's ever happened in my life you know you you spend at that point it was 10 years building something you get so many people on board and then it just couldn't go more wrong you lose someone you know someone lost their life we lost our spaceship it was going to be years to rebuild everything um and it's at times like that when you really have to sit with yourself and have a deep thought about is what you're doing worth it Yeah. and this is a really hard decision and You know, we had and and I think it prepared me for the eVTOL company and specifically working with Sebastian Thrun, who is the the founder of autonomous vehicles. He's the creator of Waymo. And it taught me that we so often look at these breakthrough developments in the wrong way. Um, So if we if we move on to autonomous vehicles, uh, Uber had an autonomous program, Waymo obviously the autonomous program. The press and 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 society freaks out every time it kills somebody. But this whole thing was invented because we're already killing 1.2 million people a year. And that number is rising very quickly. And so we're so uncomfortable with the thought of someone dying that we actually prevent saving more lives. Yeah. You know, Sebastian invented the autonomous vehicle because his beloved assistant died in a car crash. And he said, this is ridiculous. Humans are terrible drivers. We don't pay attention, we text and drive, we drive drunk, we drive tired. Machines would be much better at making these decisions and they could make them quicker. So I think the greatest lesson there was you know, with incredibly painful things like, like the loss of life, um, building these breakthrough technologies is still worth it because autonomous vehicles will save millions of lives space travel i mean the great thing about space travel and and the space industry is that we get so many wonderful benefits from it that we don't even know about i mean space travel started with you know it's just u.s military communications and now we have gps you know we have satellites tracking climate change we have uh you know satellite communications around the world we have um imagery that you know it's so beautiful and, and and necessary um so, you know, it's great to build things without knowing all the benefits up front. Just do it anyway.
0: The worst day of my professional life was almost killing someone, too. I cannot imagine what that must have been like. I love that Dave was able to keep perspective and use this tragic event to really examine his alignment with his mission and values and evaluating whether the high costs of the projects he was working on were really worth it which led us into talking about what drives him to move between these industries and really cool projects. Spoiler alert, his answer includes windsurfing and moving to the
1: Caribbean. So my career started, I, I left college and, or university and I thought all my friends were getting jobs in banking. And I just thought that's the stupidest, worst thing I could possibly, I don't want to be in banking. It looks boring. You sit in offices. I, I just don't want to do it. So I freaked out and I moved to the Caribbean. Um, and I became a windsurfing instructor, and it happened to be on an island that was next to Richard Branson's island. And you know, he was walking down the beach one day, and I said, "Hey, I'm Dave. I love your airline because you got the cool TVs in the back, and it's so much less boring. And British Airways is all stuffy and crap. And I really like yours." And he said, "Oh, that's cool. Great. Let's talk, you know. Why don't you come over here? My kids are about your age, and and that's how we started talking. And you know, it was wonderful. He was doing cool things. I was really interested, and they were really exciting. And So I stayed in the Caribbean for a while until I got bored. And then I I, I didn't know what to do next. And I just saw that cool things were coming out of Silicon Valley. And I said, you know, where could I go where I get more responsibilities than I deserve? I was never a great student. I don't like school that much. I never got great grades. So I was never gonna be that like in the top 5%, just succeeding. And so I said, I gotta be more creative. Where can I go somewhere? And I just get more responsibility, more exposure, than I actually deserve, or than I got, than I deserve through schoolwork or anything like that. So I went out to Silicon Valley and I was about to start with a startup. And I just thought, look, if it starts super small and I can show that I'm helpful and good, then I'll grow with the company and I'll get, you know, I'll end up being something bigger than I I am. And um, so I went to Silicon Valley and I was about to start with a company that was being incubated by Kleiner Perkins, uh, which I was really excited about. And I got a note from Richard Branson and he said, Hey, I heard you're looking for a startup. I'm about to start something and it's way cooler than anything you're going to find out there. And that was the space program. I didn't know I was making the point, but I think that it's a great point. Don't ever do what you're bad at. If if you don't like it, you're going to be terrible at it and someone's going to be better at it. And you're going to feel like a failure and you're going to be a failure and it just sucks and don't do it. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's the most important thing, find something you really love or that makes you excited or that you're proud of or that you wanna talk about when you're done with work and, and you'll be so much more successful.
0: I think this is the definition of serendipity. Dave knew what he didn't want to do and what would make him miserable and worked it out from there. He was drawn to what was passion aligned and took an opportunity to work in the Caribbean windsurfing, which ended up being the start to a crazy career journey. If he hadn't followed his passions and trusted his instincts, who knows where he would have ended up. I truly believe that when you find something that makes you excited, success will follow. You have to be really honest with yourself about what you do well and what lights you up, and just go big. Be the inspiration for the next generation. From here, we shifted the conversation into hiring. Many entrepreneurs focus on what they want to do, how they're going to deliver it, and the product market fit. However, I strongly believe it's more about who. Dave has a similar view, having worked on some huge projects with some great people. I wanted to know more about how he built these teams and asked for his best practices. What should we be looking out for? When should we be hiring? Dave compared his hiring practices to investing. You can't wait for opportunities to be brought to you. You have to be ready to recognize and own them. He talked about why he would definitely consider hiring friends and how to handle potential conflicts of interest or awkward moments if you decide to do so. Heads up, his perspective on firing is probably the best you'll ever hear. You won't think about firing in the same way again, seriously.
1: I look now, now I'm a venture capitalist, so I invest in startups and I look at hiring the same way I look at investing, which is if you wait for it to come to you it's not going to be that good. If you go out and find it, you're going to find something amazing Um, and you've got to fight to get it. So there's two ways. One, there's two ways I look at this. One is from trying to get hired. And I remember the best piece of advice I got when I went out to Silicon Valley, my cousin was friends with a recruiter and I sat down and I was really excited and I just wanted to work and get some experience. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, Oh, I'd be up for anything. I'll just be helpful. And he said, that's the stupidest answer you could have given me. (laughs) He said, you're completely unmemorable now. I can't help you. I'm not going to see an opportunity and think of you. It's too broad. Say, I love this. Or I want to be front of house, back of house. I want to be sales. I want to be biz dev. I want to be corp dev. I want to be engineering. I hate people. I don't want to talk to them. I mean, be specific about what you're great at and what you're terrible at. And then people will remember you and they'll guide you into the right place. Network the hell out of the world around you. You know, you, you're not going to know what you don't know. The unknown unknowns are blocking you. So like, get out, learn about everything, get involved. If you're not in motion, nothing will fall into place for you. Then as somebody who hires, steal the best people, hire your friends. I mean, when you know, I, I mean, great people and fun people to be around are so important in a company and those that are wrong are so poisonous They take so much away from a company and they take so long to eventually get rid of, um, it's the most important part of any company. It's, it's, it's the deter it determines success or failure. So when hiring, you gotta hire people who are, I think what I really look for is people who are trying to define their lives and careers and purpose through the job that they're going to do rather than. You know, I'm going to show up and this is a job and then I go home and that's my life. If you can find people like that who say, because what they're going to do is is take every task as an opportunity to over deliver and prove how wonderful and amazing they are. And if you get people like that, they are, they're just so valuable. And if you get people who take a task and say, I'm going to do this the easiest and quickest way, it's a disaster for your company. It spreads through the company. So Look for people who really have that purpose and want this job for the right reason. You're just giving them a better opportunity. Um, Yeah. And always be on the lookout. And I think the other part is always be hiring. If you find a great person, create a role for them. Don't wait until you really need something and then fill it. It's so fun to work with people that you like, and it makes you love your work and it makes you look forward to it and makes you, you chat and discuss it outside of hours and you look at it in different directions. Um, I have no problem with hiring friends and with working with friends. I love it. And I love, you know, some people get uncomfortable about having friends as LPs because, hey, we all lose money sometimes. And you just, you know, you gotta, I know there's something out there called the big boy clause, which is a lot of friends will sign it on on an investment. And it's like, we're all big boys. And we know that, sometimes you lose money, sometimes you make money. And if we lose it, nobody's going to give each other shit for it. Um, Cause you know, it was our intention to make more money, but sometimes you lose it and it happens. Um, I would like everything, hire friends, work with them. It makes it all more fun. And you know, those people really well. I mean, wh- what hiring process is better than like knowing someone for many years and knowing the people around them. But, but if it's not working end it really quickly save the business, but more importantly, save your friendships. And, I, you know, Sebastian put this really well. Uh, when I joined Kitty Hawk, there was somebody there that was just not, they were a bit useless. And I knew I had to fire him. And I felt terrible about it because I was new at the company and everyone was really nice. And this person really loved what they did, but they just weren't very helpful. Uh, not, not that they weren't helpful. They just weren't very useful. Um, and he said, why are you upset about? It? Very German engineer. And he said, why are you upset? You're not firing them. It's not a negative thing. You're setting them free to find something they're great at. And I, I, I it's changed the way I think. You know, If you're firing somebody, they know that they're crap at what they're doing. They know that there's no longer that space. Just let them go. Let them find something that makes them excited and happy.
0: I couldn't end a conversation with Dave without asking him about some of the crazy adventures he's participated in throughout his career. One of my students did some Googling and discovered that he had once tried to earn a Guinness World Record with Sir Richard Branson by windsurfing from England to France through the channel. Okay, I'll let him tell the story and his learnings from it.
1: Well, I think trying was the operative word there. Um, That was, I don't know, this is fun to go back to. That was a few years ago um you know as i said i I got into windsurfing and we used to windsurf and sail in the bvi and then kiteboarding became popular so we all tried to learn to kiteboard um and richard just endlessly is like well what's the what's the challenge can we go from here to there can we go faster can we go more of us could i go with somebody on my back and so he said oh i know we should we should try to kiteboard from england to france across the english channel and i was like okay yeah like that's cool and i think the question was like What were the logistics? Which is such a good question because there were not enough logistics. We screwed it up so badly. We were totally unprepared. I ended up, a few lessons learned. One, they always save rich people first. I was like bobbing around in the middle of the English channel for hours. It was so scary. I had a little plastic pouch with my passport because they said they would arrest us when we got to France if we didn't have proper documentation. It's still all screwed up from water damage. I'll tell you, that went so wrong so quickly. One, we were all amateur kiteboarders and shouldn't have been trying it. But two, it was kind of a cool idea. It would have been fun and we would have won a Guinness Book of World Record. Um, and so what happened was we waited for a day when there was really high wind so we could do it quickly and, and, and get across the channel. The problem was with high winds comes like really um, aggressive chop in the water. And a little person on a kiteboard, you can kind of rip through it whereas the support boats that were supposed to keep us safe couldn't get there so we started and i was with richard his daughter his son uh, his nephew me and a couple others like professional kite boarders we started and everyone went in a different direction and i looked back and there were just no support boats and i thought oh well it's just the chop i can't see them like hours later i'm in the middle of the english channel with these giant um shipping container ships going by and those are scary and they block all the wind so suddenly you can't move and you're just like alone in the water with a giant ship coming down on you. Um, I had a flare. So, you know, I had to like (laughs) light the flare and get it off. And it was, yeah, it just went so wrong. We were totally unprepared. Logistically, we didn't plan it right. Um, And luckily, eventually they did find me in the middle of the water. Uh, So we didn't make it, but it 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 was an amazing day. Richard actually went back and did it.
0: I could have talked to Dave for hours on end. It's fascinating to hear about these brilliant entrepreneurs and his unbelievable journey alongside them. Dave has followed his passions, taken some big bets on himself, and is enjoying a truly fulfilling career. So what are your takeaways from this episode? What big bets are you going to make this week? I'd love to hear how you'll be implementing these and taking action in your life. Also, would you please rate, review, and subscribe to the Bet on Yourself podcast to help others discover it too? I would really appreciate it.